Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Housing for the Aged Action Group, Hague for short, a housing group for older people run by older people. Present Raise the Roof! We advocate for secure, affordable and appropriate housing. So listen up on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR 855 on your AM dial. You're listening to Raise the Roof, the Housing for the Aged Action Group show here on 3CR, 8.55am. My name is Shane. I'm in the studio with Fiona. Hey, how's it going? Great. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good. The, um, we're also joined in the studio by a camera crew who are prowling around recording Fiona for her big starring role in a forthcoming documentary. Um, and Shane as well in Just happens to be role. Happens to be in the corner. Um but today we're going to hear from uh, a woman named Dee uh, talking a bit about her housing experience as an older person. Mm. Um, Fiona, did you want to talk about how you met Dee? Yeah, so uh, listeners, regular listeners to our show will be aware that we've been holding consultations for the 10-year affordable housing strategy, which the Victorian government has recently put out for public comment. And we, one of those consultations was um, for the cohort of people who are mainly older women that we're referring to as the missing middle. So they are people who retire without owning their own home and they have a small amount of assets, which means that they're ineligible for social housing, but they can't afford anything else. And so um, as part of that, we invited some of these people and they turned out to be all women to have a chat with us about their circumstances. Um, and Dee's also a, a, a member of HAG who lives in a regional area. Um, and so, yeah, she took the opportunity to come to that consultation and then she kindly agreed to be interviewed as part of this show. Well, let's hear what Dee has to say. Okay, let's do it. We're joined today by Dee, who lives down on the Bellarine Peninsula in Victoria. How are you going today, Dee? Uh, I'm okay, thank you. Excellent. Now, we wanted um, to have you you on the show today to talk about um, housing and, I guess, the lack of affordable housing options for older women. So we really wanted to hear about your your own experience in trying to find housing. Um, So, uh, Shane, did you you want to kick this off? Well, do do you just want to tell our listeners a bit about yourself? Uh, Yeah, sure. Well, uh, I'm a 64-year-old woman who lives in a small town on the Bellarine Peninsula. Not in Geelong, because I don't want to live in a city, and that's important to me. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to stay in my community, uh, but, you know, there's very little or, if any, public housing left down here now, because the government always seems to be building in cities, you know, and that's, I mean, most older people don't, want to live in the city now they want to live you know in a more rural area so you feel a bit like cattle being forced to live in a factory farm rather than in open pastures Hmm. have you always lived out that way 
Uh, for quite a few years I have, yeah. Uh, I've had to keep moving, you know, from rented property to rented property as the owners sell. You know, they put up the prices beyond my means. And it's really exhausting moving all the time. And I'm really tired. Mm. I just want a place to know I can stay and I can afford. And and with with the with the moving of the houses, how, how what is the rental market like down there on the peninsula? It's really bad. Yeah. Uh, I think probably COVID might have had something to do with that. You know, because once COVID hit, it seemed as if there was just a boom down here for you know houses being bought. Um, you know, maybe that was people coming from the city and they decided that you know it was better. You know living on the peninsulas away from the city. I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, even families now can't find houses to rent down here and they're working. So, you know, trying to find a unit or something that's affordable to, you know, somebody like me, it it's impossible. And do you mind so, me asking what your, what your source of income is? Well, I have uh, a little pension coming in but it's not the full pension it was a works pension mm. and uh it was topped up by job seeker because that's the only way that you can actually do it now again you know in 2010 they moved the pension age from 60 to 67 yeah so you know and it could be 70 in the future because the government keeps telling us to work longer but there aren't the jobs you know, and then they prioritise unemployed younger people back into the work schemes. So a lot of older people are just ending up on job seekers. Yeah. And um, we can't afford decent rentals, you know, so we're just looking for the cheapest rental in an ever-declining market. And have you looked at many, many places in your search for housing? Like what, what sort of quality is the, is the rental housing down there? The quality is pretty uh, poor for singles or units. You know, yeah, it's like a lot of the new builds, and there is a lot of new builds down here, uh, all seem to be fixated on families. Yeah. So you like three bedrooms, four bedrooms, you know, five bedrooms. Um, and yeah, you know, they're very pricey. You're talking like, you know, 800 to a million, you know, for a lot of the properties down here now. To buy, so yeah. So when, when you're looking at rentals, you know, you really... There's very few, you know, like one or two bedroom, well, not even one bedroom, there's two bedroom places down here. And there's not many of them. And everybody fights for them. Yeah. So, I mean, part of the reason that we wanted to have you on today is because we've been talking a bit about this this idea of a missing middle in terms of older people's housing. So people who've retired with with some savings, um, too much to be eligible for public or social housing, which are the main, you know, so-called affordable housing options the government has, but not enough, like as you say, not enough to buy an $800,000 or, you know, home or or to move into a for-profit retirement village or something like that. And I understand that that's the sort of middle ground that you fall into. Can you tell us a bit about like how that feels for you? Well, basically, there, you know, you just feel as if you're in a black hole mm. because what can you do? You know, you literally, when you're looking for places, it's got to be cheap enough for you to be able to afford until, you know, you can get your pension until things get better, which they won't do. Um, and you just 
there isn't a way out of it. You know, it's like, I don't know, it's as if you just feel as if nobody's giving you any options. Yeah. It's like I looked at uh, Vic Holmes Equity Housing in Vic Holmes, right, where you're supposed to be able to buy into units, you know, for low income it is. Um, and I went all through the process. I thought, oh, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I've got that little bit of money I can put in, you know. Um, and then right at the end, it said, it depends on banks. You know, this is, if you get a mortgage, you've got to get a mortgage through the bank. Well, banks don't give mortgages to older people. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, so I went through all that process thinking, oh, it was the only thing I could find that, you know, would, you know, for somebody who had no money and you can't because it's all down to the banks in the end anyway so why put it up there yeah yeah and if we can afford to rent we can afford to buy that's right yeah because you'd be paying as much as a loan repayment if not more in rental yeah 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 so how have you managed to resolve well i know your situation isn't entirely resolved um but how have you managed to kind of get by in in terms of your housing well, uh, I now share a rental on a house with a friend that I met three years ago, mm-hmm. another lady who's 59 and disabled. And we were doing voluntary hours uh, at a community hub. Yeah. But we both needed to find a new place, and there wasn't anything that we could afford separately down here on the Bellarine. She was living in a high-crime area in the suburb of uh, Geelong, and, you know, she was really afraid. And I was in a timber cottage on the Bellarine with no insulation, no air con, and ants coming through the floorboards. Mm. You know, so we decided to see if we could find a house that allowed us to live separately and just share a kitchen. And we were very lucky. But we live from year to year because long-term tenancies are only for a year and the rent increases every year. Yeah. So it's really stressful wondering whether, you know, we'll have to move again. And if so, where? Yeah. Because the housing down here is horrendously expensive. And, you know, it's just, if we have to find somewhere, it might have to be far away where we don't want to go, but where it's the only place we can afford to rent. Yeah. And I can understand why so many women are becoming homeless. And I do think it could be me soon. Let's hope that's not the case. Um, It is really just so disappointing that there is no kind of there's all of these systemic barriers for for you to be able to find stable housing and you just don't have those options i think we hear often that people just want choice they just want to be able to choose where they live in the places where they want to live and and why shouldn't you have that choice um particularly yes. as you get older yeah um uh, and that that's how we both feel you know yeah whether we live together or live separately you know it doesn't matter, but it just, so long as it's a place where we can stay and we can afford. Yeah, yeah, with a bit of space in a place where you, you're familiar with. And, I mean, Bellarine's yeah. a beautiful spot to live as well. Oh, it is, you know, and, I, you know, I could have ended up somewhere else and I'd still have had the same problem. That's true. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's it's saying it, it's not just here on the Bellarine, it is everywhere. But I live on the Bellarine, so I want to stay on the Bellarine. I don't want to be moving and moving and moving, you know? 
and having to go somewhere where it's the cheapest place, you know, but I don't want to live there, but it's the cheapest. What should the government do about this? I mean, obviously, it's not just you that you, this is affecting. You know, like you say, this is a problem everywhere. You're describing, you know, systems and structures that are that are putting older women everywhere at risk of homelessness. What do you think the government should do? Well, I think, you know, I mean, the government has promised that they're going to um, build more public housing. Well, it's not public housing. It's community housing. Uh, and I think that... Yes, they should be building, you know, one-bedroom public housing units for older singles and couples down here on the Bellarine. And I think a lot more than they're saying they're going to build. You know, I don't think there should be community housing, which they're saying they're going to do, because community housing providers' rents aren't as low as public housing. That's and right. community housing say they're affordable rents, but not low-income rents. Affordable is not affordable to somebody who is on a pension or Centrelink payments or just getting by. So I really think that, you know, the government should sort of be putting a, a lot more money into public housing. Um, and I'd love to see them build it in a village setting where there's lots of greenery. Yeah. You know, we don't need all the fancy bits of these lifestyle communities that are popping up everywhere. If people have lots of money and they can afford them fine but i don't need that you know i need a single unit that's double glazed got some solar insulated and with aircon and heating in all the rooms and and outside areas and inside areas accessible to wheelchairs yeah so that that way if you get less mobile you can stay there and I do think it makes more sense to build one-bedroom units rather than two because, you know, the extra bedroom, often you don't use it. And it's much more logical and accessible for everybody to ensure fewer but larger rooms instead. Yeah. So a nice, large, open-plan kitchen diner, you know, a bedroom with a walk-in wardrobe and a nice big bathroom with, you know, where it's open shower, like a wet room, so that anybody can use it. Yeah, uh, that doesn't seem you know? so... Like, that seems all extremely reasonable and sensible kind of ideas, but it, it's almost like a dream, really, isn't it? Because, yeah... It is a dream. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think you've yeah, described really well the sort of housing that should be getting built for, for people, and that's exactly what what um, what we need to see happen. Um, so yeah. is Go on, what were you going to say? So I was going to say, I would say as well that people do need a garage or a carport and a small, like, fenced-in garden or courtyard. You know, because outside space is so important to the mental health of older people. Yeah, especially during COVID. I think yeah, you really yeah. noticed it when you didn't have an outdoor space. It was a... Yeah. Yeah. And um yeah. and and what do you how do you feel about kind of communal areas? I, we hear that as well a lot from people that they'd like to have their own kind of private space, like you've described, but also a bit of communal area to socialise in as well. Have you have you put well, much I, thought to that? Well, I, you know, that's an individual thing for mm. me, and you know, a communal area to me is a park. Yep. You know, it's where everybody can sort of go and sit and, you know, take their dogs for a walk, you know, have a chat if they want to. You know, it's it's not so much another house or another building. 
it's an outdoor space, a park area. Um, so a community garden, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's... I think that these are individual things. I think, for me, I focus very much on the logical. Yeah. And it's logical for me for one-bedroom units, you know, with nice big rooms, oh, totally accessible. That's my idea of what we should be building. Uh, no apartments, no stairs, you know, units only, uh, just able to walk inside and outside easily with or without a wheelchair. Yeah. You know, and they could make it a part of the new housing developments that are going up everywhere. You know, if the government said, well, you know, we've got to make like 20% of the build or however much of the build, you know, these particular units. Yeah. You know, and I tell you what, I would like to see if they did that, um, you know, so many being built for the government for low income over 55s. If they wanted to sell them off to the public, you know, if they want to sell them off to over 55s, low income. Yeah. You know, um, because they sold off the public housing to existing tenants before. Yeah, they have. Why yep. not, you know, why not sell off new bills to low incomes, you know, the ones that really need it? Yeah. If the government doesn't want to hang on to them, you know, or have public housing. Um, so Fiona is gesturing at me that I should ask you the last question on our list, um, and you've already talked a lot about this, but there, is there anything else about housing that you feel really deeply about? Um, well, I think it relates to housing, but it's not particularly housing. Um, I do think a lot of people are finding housing so really, really difficult in older age uh, because of sort of the government processes which are now in place, mm. which are, you know, that after 60 you're still on job seekers. You know, if you don't have a job, you're on job seekers. The employers are really ageist and they don't want, you know, to employ you, but you're on job seekers, which is a very small income to be on. You know, so you can't afford your decent rentals. And the job seeker itself uh, is really humiliating and useless job searches, you know, you're forced to make multiple applications to employers that don't want to know. Yeah. You know, and then you have to report to job providers every fortnight or lose that little, you know, tiny pittance of job seeker payment. You know, it makes you feel really ill. I'm not, yeah. It's, it's intensely stressful and demeaning. And, and rather than having dignity in old age with our pension... You don't. It's like being on parole but never having done anything wrong. Exactly. And I don't think that people over 60 should have to do this. Um, I think if we have to be on job seekers after 60, just give us the job seekers without all the having to search for jobs and having to fill in applications and having to report. You know, I'm sure that employers are as frustrated as we are, but they aren't as depressed and as ashamed. Mm. You know, the government said that they changed the age pension because people are living longer, but that's wrong. People that are reasonably well off may be living longer. Those in poverty do not live longer. They never have. Yeah. So I just, I think that people need to think sort of why we have such a need now for, you know, units, why old people are in such poverty. You know, we, 
if you don't, if you're not going to give us the jobs, then, you know, at least give us the houses. At least make it possible for us to live. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I think the number one thing that the government, you know, all, all governments could do to reduce housing stress, to improve housing, you know, situations for older people is welfare reform. And uh, like that, that's a really important priority. Yeah. And it is absolutely appalling that we treat people like this, make them humiliated as they get their very, very basic income. I think it's a terrible, terrible state of affairs. And hopefully decision makers are listening to this and they can actually put themselves in the shoes of somebody who's contributed to society for the, the last 60 years and now all of a sudden has to grovel for pittance. I think it's just really terrible. But you've described you've described it so well, Dee. It's, we really appreciate you coming on to tell your story today. And I'm hoping that um, voices like yours can be used to try and influence decision makers to actually do something about this. So um, thank you so much for being you know gutsy enough to come on the radio today and um and tell us telling us about your about your story you're welcome i hope that something gets done mm. thanks yeah, so do i thank you thank you bye bye Three CR programs provide information and analysis you won't hear in the mainstream. Today we'll be looking at the legacy of the US war on Vietnam on Laos. And as far as corporate capitalism is concerned, it is the worst political and economic system that you can have. Our laws about jailing refugees and asylum seekers are so well crafted. Sex is not irrelevant and we like who we are, but we don't have to be imprisoned by our gender. Become a subscriber today. Call us on 9419 8377 or visit 3cr.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent. Goongaroo Environment Centre is a grassroots community organisation campaigning for East Gippsland's precious forests. For over 15 years, we've been using direct action, citizen science, and community engagement to stop the continued logging of precious native forests and threatened species habitat. After this summer's terrible bushfires, there's an even greater urgency to protect what remains, and the Victorian government haven't ruled out plans to log the small fragments of unburnt forests and so-called salvage log in burnt areas. It's now so important that forests and wildlife are protected so they can recover. Head to gecko.org.au to keep updated with the latest news and to get involved. Gecko acknowledges the logging is happening on the stolen lands of the Gunakurnai and Bidwell and the Naro people and that sovereignty was never ceded. A 3CR supporter. Uh, you're listening to Raise the Roof here on 3CR, the Housing for the Age Action Group show. 3CR is 8.55am. I really garbled up those bits of the return intro thing. My, my words are no helping today. Fiona, please save me. Oh, poor Shane. He's having a hard day. Um, yeah, so we just heard from Dee, um, a pretty compelling story, I thought, about what it's like for women who fall into the missing middle cohort. Um, yeah, I mean, I really found what she said about welfare really, mm. like, really r- relatable. I mean, I've often found in my work at HAG that the most depressing situation that we come across again and again is people, you know, late 50s, early 60s, on Job Seeker or it was New Start for Ages, um, no, you know, 
subject to really severe age discrimination in the workplace, very, you know, very hard to actually find work mm. uh, and just stuck on a wildly inadequate uh, so-called welfare payment that just, you know, traps and entrenches people in poverty uh, and with no real option except to, to just live out those years until the, the pension kicks in. Yeah, and then not only that, being forced to grovel to some horrendous bureaucratic whippersnapper that's telling you, you know, you're not doing enough because you haven't put enough job applications in or you haven't done enough mutual obligation. It's appalling. Yeah, I mean, the welfare system is awful for everyone. Like, we don't, we don't want to be part of this sort of pitting older job seekers against younger job seekers, which the government likes to do so much. Mm. Um, but, but yeah, I think there is a, a sort of special sadness to the way that older people are treated in these systems. Yeah, I agree. It's not cool. Um, and yeah, so I, I guess we at HAG are wanting to focus a little bit on this cohort because we've spent, um, I guess it's motivated by the fact that we really can't do much for people when they, when they come to the service who fall into that, that category. So, what we can do is become kind of advocates to government about the need for change. I mean, we can't necessarily find people housing, which is heartbreaking, but we can try and force um, force some decision makers to do something. So I've got a couple of little figures here that I thought might be um, kind of illustrative of the issue. So the reason that it affects um, older women um, is because of a lot of reasons, but one of them is the gendered um, kind of nature of retirement. So um, in 2015-16, so it's quite an old figure, the average superannuation balance at retirement for men was $270,000. But for women, it was only $157,000. So there's a, over a hundred and something thousand dollar gap there. Um, and the median balance, which means the middle one, um, for men. <laughs> Thanks, math teacher. Well, you know, median average is hard. Um, it's 110,000 for men and for women it was just 36,000. And also around 30% of um, women aged 60 years and older have zero retirement income. They have zero retirement savings, so no superannuation at all. Um, and that's partly because superannuation was brought in um, relatively late in their working lives, but also just the sort of casualised nature of the um, workforce and a broken up um, kind of working life. I know that I only just started recently accruing super after working for 20 odd years. So I think it is a gendered thing. And I think when, um, you know, ageism meets the patriarchy, there's this perfect storm of older women who are falling through the gaps. I mean, I think the other thing about it is, you know, the, the way that the homelessness system works. Mm. You know, when you talk about what the homelessness system is geared up to do and who it's geared up to help, you know, you feel almost crazy trying to say, well, what about these people with a hundred grand? Like yeah. compared to the really dire poverty that homelessness services are seeing every day, that seems absurd to even think about. Yeah. But, you know, if you are someone who's retired, you know, an older woman, you're in your 60s, you retire, you did the right thing, you saved, you worked hard, you've retired with a 100 grand. We certainly can't buy a house with that. You can't buy into a for-profit retirement village mm. because the entire retirement village sector is geared towards hyper-exploitative uh, contractual arrangements. Yeah. You can't, you know, but conversely, you know, you can't afford 
private rental. There is no private rental that's going to be affordable for you on a pension or, you know, much less on JobSeeker in this state. And you, you're not eligible for public or social housing because you have that money. Mm. So what we see again and again is that that person is going to, f- going to spend their, their savings. That hundred thousand dollars that was supposed to protect them in retirement is just going to dwindle. It's going to go yeah. to their landlord. Yeah. It's going to go to the negative gearing, capital gains tax discount, scumbag, uh, <laughs> property owners, property investors. He's on a roll. Uh, and, you know, that, that person will end up in poverty and then there might be some social systems that can assist them. Yeah. Um, and that's a terrifying thought. If you've saved that little bit of money and that's going to protect you in your old age and you have to eke away at that, it's just it's just crazy. Um, yeah, and the other thing I guess that we've noticed in starting to look at this issue a little more closely is that we really don't have the numbers. We don't have the data. Um, we don't know how many people this affects. We suspect it's lots, but we've not really counted and we know that the government isn't counting that either. So one of the things that we're asking um, the Victorian but also the, the federal government to do is start looking at this issue and start actually counting it so we can get an idea of the scale and the size of 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 the issue and what needs to be done about it. So having just said there's not much we can do for people like this, mm. uh, how should people get in touch if they'd like us to do something for them? Yeah, so if they want to get in touch, now you're going to ask me the phone number and I don't know it, so that's going to be the first hurdle. But um, so, <laughs> if you want to get in touch with us and talk to us about policy advocacy and doing some things around this issue but also all issues to do with older people and housing. Uh, or if you want to get in touch because you do need some services, you're, you're at risk of homelessness and you want to talk about some options, mm. uh, the numbers that you can call us on, there's one three hundred seven six five one seven eight. 765 I'll give that out again in just a second. You can also find our website, which is oldertenants.org.au. Yep. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter. Um, you'll have to do some searching for those. We're so modern. Uh, and the number again, one three hundred seven six five one seven eight. We would absolutely love to hear from you. Yeah. So if you've got a phone, pick it up. That's all we have time for, Shane. Well, let me just say, listeners, I won't be around for the next few shows. I'm going to be away for a little bit, uh, leaving you in the trusted hands of Fiona. Uh, Yeah, Shane's going on long service leave. And who knows what other co-hosts. But we've chosen a song to reflect my feelings about my beloved workplace. Uh, What's it going to be? Nine to five. Dolly Parton. See ya.